You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Well, good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for joining me. Uh, if I sound a little bit out of sorts today, it's because I've got a headache and I'm slightly nauseated. Uh, not due to coming down with anything. I don't have the flu or anything, but I forced myself a little while ago to listen to a Hillary Clinton speech, all 50 minutes of it, and it frankly sickened me. It really did. It was depressing. It was Bernie Sanders 2.0. She stood up there and she promised the world to everybody. No specifics about how all this was going to be delivered, but she promised free college to everybody, Increasing the minimum wage for everybody, the federal minimum wage, um, better housing for everybody, free internet for everybody in the country. That was that's sort of a new one that's come up. I'm not sure even Bernie was promising that. And it was all about Hillary making promises that she can't keep. Because she knows she can't keep them. But how is she going to pay for it? Well, very simply. She's going to tax the rich, quote-unquote. The rich, of course, doesn't include she and Bill, because most of their money, they hire the foundation, and uh, that pays all their expenses. So she's not talking about taxing her, and she's certainly not talking about taxing all the big banks on Wall Street that have contributed her campaign or paid her and Bill hundreds of thousands of dollars to make speeches which, by the way, are still being kept secret, the contents of those speeches. So what we had was Hillary basically promising to deliver free stuff. And she had the Obama bots sitting behind her. Now, the term Obama bots, a lot of people think it originated with me. It did not. It came from a good friend of mine up in New York, Carolyn Steiner. She's the first one to use that term. And it basically described the people who follow Obama blindly. Doesn't matter what he does, what kind of lies he tells, what kind of scandals he's involved in. Anything he says, they listen to with total adoration. That's what I was seeing today in this speech. Because I listened to what she had to say. And there was nothing new in what she was saying. It was a typical Democrat left-wing speech promise everybody everything they want and don't tell them how you're going to pay for it. Don't tell them what it's going to cost. You know, here, say things that are totally ridiculous, like she wants to bring in more immigrants and make them legal because that will help create American jobs. Not for Americans. Give me a break, but that's what she was saying. More Americans will be working if more illegals are allowed in this country. Figure that one out. But, of course, the Obama bots, but now they're Clinton bots, they cheered. They they had a group behind her, you know, that was made up of Muslims wearing their headgear and made up of uh, young people and made up of older people. And, of course, every race was present. And they were all had, had their little signs held up, and they would cheer and hold up their signs and wave them at virtually everything she said. 
I think that if she had been stood there, just you know, stood up there for twenty minutes and passed gas continuously, that they would have cheered every time she did it. I don't think they understood most of what she was saying. I'm not even sure they were listening to most of what she was saying. After about this was a fifty-two minute speech. After about the first twenty minutes, you could see them sort of fading away in the back, and you know a lot of them probably, like I said, didn't understand what she was talking about anyway. But they were there to cheer. And they were there to cheer when they were told to. Because some of them, particularly the ones with the larger signs, you could see them looking off to their their left, watching something above them. So either there was a monitor there, which would pop up and say cheer, or there was somebody there directing them that would give them a signal when they were supposed to cheer. Hillary knew when they were coming, off of her teleprompter, obviously, because she would always pause when the appropriate cheers were supposed to happen. And after, like I said, about 20 minutes, you started looking at these people, and they were not focused, that focused anymore. They were still watching the monitor most of the time. Some of them, particularly some of the younger people, were looking down, so instead of up, so I, I suspect they were probably texting or at least checking their messages or something on their smartphones. But and so gradually the cheers started dying down. There weren't as many of them towards the end of the speech because she had lost these people. Not that she may even have them in the first place. These could very well have been paid operatives, just like they're paying people, hiring people off a of Craigslist uh, to attack Trump supporters and to have violent demonstrations when Trump makes a speech. But you could just see the, their eyes sort of glazing over. And they weren't really paying attention to begin with, but now they were totally lost. They were just, you know, the, the monitor would say, cheer, and they would hold up their sign, and they would cheer. And then they would take their sign down, and they'd look off in space again, but they had no idea where they were or what they were doing. That, I'm afraid, is a conglomerate of the American electorate, at least the ones that the Democrats are appealing to and counting on to elect them. They're totally clueless. They did a survey recently that uh, among college students, and something like 68% of the college students said that socialism was a very compassionate form of government. Venezuela, one word, Venezuela. People are starving to death down there. People are rioting. People are eating out of garbage cans. They're doing everything they can to feed their families because if they oppose the government, they're not getting food. The food that they do have in Venezuela is controlled by the socialist government and is being passed out to supporters of that government. So you've got thousands of people potentially dying of hunger and they're being tear gassed if they protest. In some cases, they're being arrested and put in jail or just disappearing. Yet we have something like 68% of the college students in this country that think socialism is a compassionate form of government. And they like the idea of socialism. Why? Because socialism would give them free stuff. I'm so tired of hearing about free stuff. Nothing you get from the government is free. Somebody pays for it. And it's usually you and I 
the middle class taxpayers, the ones who get taxed at every, every turn. I mean, not only do we have the federal income tax, we have the state sales tax, the local sales tax, we have the gasoline tax, uh, we have taxes on our airline tickets, we have taxes that we have to pay for the Internet, we have taxes that we have to pay for telephone service, we're getting taxed to death. That tax money is then being used not for infrastructure, certainly not to support our military. Did you know that the Marines are now having to go to the boneyard to get planes to fly because the Obama budget cuts? And, and I say Obama, but the Congress has done nothing about this. The Republican control Congress has let this happen. The budget cuts for our military have put us in a position where the new commander of American forces in Europe who was being questioned yesterday and today by Congress about his appointment, has basically said that if Russia were to attack in the Balkans, we couldn't stop them. There's not enough American troops or equipment there, even with the small amounts of equipment and troops committed by other NATO countries. We couldn't stop the Russians. Now, the Russians have the weakest military they've had in years, we're still supposed to be a superpower, but we can't stop the Russians if they decide to roll through the Balkans and take back Eastern Europe. This commander also, by the way, came out and said that he doesn't understand what strategy, if any, we have in Libya to defeat ISIS. ISIS now has about 8,000 troops in Libya. That's up from 3,000 just a couple of months ago. We are launching no strikes on them. Now, Libya is a very strategic country because it's very close to Tunisia, and the ISIS has already launched attacks on Tunisia. But it's also very easily easy to get people from Libya into Europe. And they will come in sometimes as refugees. Sometimes they'll just sneak in in the middle of the night. There are going to be more terrorist attacks in Europe. But what are we seeing in response to that? The military doesn't know. They don't know what kind of strategy we have. Frankly, we have none. We're not trying to defeat ISIS. Obama has stuck his head in the sand. Actually, I think he stuck it somewhere else, but that I'm being polite. Obama stuck his head in the sand, in the sand and is ignoring an existential threat this country. There are going to be more terrorist attacks. Now they're trying to explain away uh, Mateen's attack in Orlando. They said, oh, that wasn't terrorism. That was revenge because the gay he was gay and the gay community mistreated him. Then why was he shouting Allah Akbar? Why did he pledge his allegiance to ISIS? Give me a break. The news media and the Dems are looking at this ISIS attack, ISIS-inspired attack. They're looking at the other terrorist attacks, and their response is always the same. If bad people kill Americans, then disarm Americans. Think about that. How does that work? Take away the guns of good people, and the bad people are going to stop killing us? Doug Gills pointed this out in his column the other night. 
That's the whole philosophy here. Somehow that if you come and take away my weapons, who says I have any, but if the government comes and takes away my weapons, say, and how is that going to stop a terrorist in Orlando, Florida, or San Bernardino, California, from killing people? It's not. In fact, it's going to increase the amount of gun-free zones and make it even easier for them to find soft targets. Because remember, all of these attacks, whether by terrorists or just by some lunatic out there, have occurred in gun-free zones. They don't go to a gun show and open fire. They don't go to a shooting range and open fire on innocent people. They don't go to areas like in Texas where a lot of people are going to have concealed weapons permits. Things like flea markets and sporting events, which are fairly secured. They're going to go to gun-free zones where there are virtually no weapons and they can just start killing people at will. Let's take our first break now. The United States Justice Foundation, since 1979, has been dedicated to instructing, informing, and educating the public on legal issues confronting America. That means you and me. When necessary, this nonprofit organization has had to litigate to present the constitutional view. Since 1980, USJF has submitted testimony to the U.S. Senate on all but one U.S. Supreme Court nominee. Learn more about USJF by visiting their website at www.usjf.net. Support this nonprofit as it defends our rights, our liberty, and our Constitution. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Who is or what is USJF? It is a nonprofit legal organization founded to protect our rights through the U.S. Constitution. Active in educating the public, USJF has also contributed directly and indirectly to legal defense efforts in many celebrated cases involving fundamental conservative principles. Cases of note include the Mount Soledad Cross case, the Arizona Immigration Law case, the Obama eligibility cases, the NDAA illegal detention issue, and many more. Help this nonprofit as they help you. Visit www.usjf.net today. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com.
You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. So we have the typical Democrat liberal response and news media response, and that is to stop crime, to stop terrorism, we have to disarm the honest people in this country. Dave mentioned something to me to the break that, uh, you know, think about this. Why do they never have terrorist attacks at rodeos, particularly those in Texas, Louisiana, Oklahoma? Because they'll get shot. They'll die as martyrs, perhaps, but they won't be dying after killing a whole bunch of people. They'll just get blown away because a lot of those people at that rodeo are going to be armed. That's what the Democrats want to stop. They want to make rodeos into gun-free zones. They want to make sporting events into gun-free zones. And mostly they are, except for the armed guards. But because there are guns there, they're not being attacked. But they want to take away the rights of individuals to keep and bear arms. So the only people that will be armed are the police. How's that worked in, in France, where you've had two of the most horrific terrorist attacks in history there in just the last year? France has proudly announces that it is a gun-free zone. The whole country is essentially a gun-free zone. Strictest gun control laws in the world. Yet the terrorists that launched these attacks not only had automatic weapons which, by the way, are already outlawed in this country. And Bernie Sanders didn't know that, but, and he's dumb as a box of rocks, because right after Orlando, he called for all automatic weapons to be banned in this country. Well, they've been banned since 1986. But, you know, Democrats don't worry about the truth. They don't even worry about the, their knowledge of what's going on. They just regurgitate the party line. So you have strict gun control in France, and the terrorists get bombs, automatic weapons, pistols, plenty of ammunition, hand grenades. You know, they're, they're an armed force, and nobody in the restaurants or in the concert venues were able to return fire. So a bunch of people died, and that's what happened in Orlando. A bunch of people died because a terrorist wanted them to. And that's what they're pushing for all over the country. The Democrats in the House representatives are holding a sit-in today, a couple of dozen of them, that basically blocked the House from going forward with this business, and you know how when the Republicans are often accused of shutting down the government for failing to pass what the Democrats wanted to pass or what the liberal media wants them to pass? Well, here is the, the Democrats in the House of Representatives actually shutting down one full branch of government, the Congress, by refusing to allow the House to open debate on a bill they're considering. Why are they doing this? Because they want a vote on gun control. 
they want to vote on the so-called no-fly, no-buy bill. Now, what exactly is that? Well, the news media keeps referring to it as a terrorist watch list. That's not what it is. They're saying that, well, we want to ban people on a terrorist watch list from being able to legally purchase guns. The no-fly list is a mess. It's a conglomerate of people that have been put on the list by everybody from airline employees to federal bureaucrats to state bureaucrats. A lot of times it has nothing to do with who they actually are. They may have the name, the same name, or a name similar to somebody who is a known criminal or a known terrorist suspect. So they get the name put on the list, and they don't know about it until they try to get an airplane. And then their plans are disrupted, and it may take months to get them off the list if they can get off of it at all. These people have not been convicted of any crime. They have not been charged with any crime. They're not even, in a lot of cases, suspected of any crime. They just have the wrong name. Or they live in the wrong place. So they get put on a no-fly list. And now Congress wants to, without due process, the Democrats in Congress want to bar everybody there from exercising their Second Amendment rights. Everybody on that list. Now, if they truly decide to use the so-called terrorist watch list, well, then it's going to get a heck of a lot worse. Because the only actual terrorist watch list I know about is on the Department of Homeland Security website. And a few years back, it listed as potential domestic terrorists. That means watch out for these people. Potential domestic terrorists, military, U.S. military veterans, all U.S. military veterans, particularly those that were returning home from Afghanistan and Iraq when they first started the list, but included all of us. Anybody who openly supported the Second Amendment, so anybody who's in the NRA or in the Citizens Committee for the Right to Keep and Bear Arms, we're all on the terrorist watch list. Anybody who supports the right to life and opposes abortion, you're on the terrorist watch list. Anybody who is critical of the federal government and calling for smaller, limited government is on the DHS list. We're talking about millions of people here. This is another exercise that they are going to do to try to disarm the American people. You've heard me talk repeatedly about what's happening with our veterans. You know, 260,000 of them have been put on the National Institute of Criminal Background Checklist under the category of being mentally ill to the point of being a danger to themselves or others simply because they may let their spouses pay the family bills or because they let the bank pay the bills automatically or because they had a minor PTSD or minor depression and suddenly the government, the VA, declares them incompetent to handle their own financial affairs. There's no due process. The veterans have to spend their own time and money proving that they are competent, and 260,000 of them have now lost their right to keep and bear arms. I predicted about eight months ago that the federal government was going to move into doing the same thing to Social Security recipients. That has now started. 
So if you're a Social Security recipient out there and you've been told that you, because you have a third-party payee that might handle your money for you, and by the way, that didn't include your bank. They were broadening it, believe it or not, to include your bank, even if all the bank does is have the money deposited in your account every month. And Social Security demands that if you have a bank account. So it's a catch-22. They're going to get you one way or the other. If it's happening to you, contact me. Or if you're a veteran, contact me at michael at usjfmail.net. It's michael at usjfmail.net. We will represent you for free. We're working with dozens of military members right now, ex-military members, and we're being successful in some of the cases. We're getting very, very close to having one. Because you have to go through all this exhausting all administrative remedies before you can actually file a suit. Well, we're now very close on a case right here in Texas that I will be personally handling for the United States Justice Foundation. We're very close, probably within a few months, of that case exhausting the administrative remedies, which means if we don't win that appeal, and appeals are very hard to do, they take two or three years. The VA delays them as long as they can. If we don't win the appeal, then we can file suit. And that will be one of the first cases we have that has reached that level. So if you want to help us out, because it's going to be a very expensive lawsuit, and we're going to probably try to use the class action suit, Go to usjf.net, where you can donate. And all, the, all contributions to the United States Justice Foundation are tax-deductible. So you can go and you can donate to us, deduct the donations from your income tax, and help us to represent, without charge, all the people around the country that we work with, all the veterans that we work with, Social Security recipients that we work with, groups like Sisters of the Poor, Little Sisters of the Poor. I mean, we have filed so many briefs in the last year. It's just unbelievable how many we have filed in state courts, but mostly in federal courts, U.S. Supreme Court. We are working in all areas to protect this country. We had something remarkable happen just recently. Judge, Judge Clarence Thomas who for 10 years said nothing during oral arguments from the Supreme Court, didn't ever ask a question like his colleagues did, didn't ever comment about what was being said. He kept silent until just a couple of months ago when he broke his silence in a case involving a gun control issue, and he asked a question based on one of the the briefs that we had filed in the case. That was a big feather in our cab, but it also shows that people are listening to us, people in high places. By the way, if you, you want to have any doubt about the importance of not putting Hillary Clinton in the White House, there are rumors going around that Judge Clarence Thomas is going to retire, probably right after the election, which means that if Hillary is elected, she will not be just appointing one judge to the Supreme Court, which is all they need to virtually abolish the Second Amendment. She'll be appointing two. Possibly, probably a third one down the line, because I don't think Ginsburg's going to stay on very long if Hillary gets elected. So all of a sudden, we're going to have a Supreme Court that's going to have seven of the nine justices 
who are committed to the destruction of the United States Constitution, who believe that they have more power and more authority than the Congress does, and that they can amend the Constitution without going through the proper constitutional procedures. Let's take our second break. Who is or what is USJF? It is a nonprofit legal organization founded to protect our rights through the U.S. Constitution. Active in educating the public, USJF has also contributed directly and indirectly to legal defense efforts in many celebrated cases involving fundamental conservative principles. Cases of note include the Mount Soledad Cross case, the Arizona Immigration Law case, the Obama eligibility cases, the NDAA illegal detention issue, and many more. Help this nonprofit as they help you. Visit www.usjf.net today. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. So the Dems want to basically say, oh, we're going to deny weapons to tourists. They're not going to be able to buy them. I mean, terrorists. The tourists is probably about right because of what they're going to do with the no-fly business. But they're going to use that list. Now, I'm in total favor of keeping weapons out of the hands of known terrorists. I'm even more in favor of keeping terrorists and potential terrorists out of this country. But that doesn't seem to be a problem for the Democrats. They think that everybody ought to be able to come into this country. Clinton has gone from wanting to have 10,000 Syrian refugees come in, having 65,000 supposedly properly vetted, but properly vetted means nothing. You're dealing with Syrian refugees because they have no, you have no way to check their backgrounds. You have no way to check their affiliations. There are virtually no public records remaining in Syria. Uh, there's nobody to talk to who's going to be able to give you any real information. All these people are potential domestic terrorists. When I say domestic, I mean they're terrorists from a foreign country who will be committing terrorism in this country. What about not bringing them into the country. What about forcing a vetting process that would actually work? How about not bringing them in at all, though? How about setting up camps along the Jordan border with Syria 
helping to fund those camps, and having them live there. Why do they have to be moved into cities in this country? We're already hearing horror stories coming out about Muslim men in the United States who are raping women and girls because they think they have a right to do so. Their religion not only doesn't prohibit that, it encourages that. Women are treated as chattels. Women are property. Women have no rights. And Donald Trump has been correctly pointing out that here we have Hillary Clinton, who is supposedly the champion of women's rights and a champion of gay rights, who has, through her Clinton Foundation, collected millions of dollars in contributions from countries like Saudi Arabia, where women virtually have no rights, they can't go to school, they can't drive a car, they can't hold a job, they can't go out in public unless they're accompanied by a man, and they are the property of their husbands. They can be beaten for any reason whatsoever. They are not protected against domestic violence. They can, in fact, be killed just by their husband calling it an honor killing. And what what honor a man can see in killing an innocent woman, I don't know. But, hey, that's, that's that religion of peace we're always hearing about. They also, in Saudi Arabia and in countries like Iran, Iraq, Jordan, places like Jordan, if there had been money donated to the Clinton Foundation, Qatar, homosexuals can be executed. Period. In the subject. You're a homosexual, you die. So Hillary Clinton... He's probably, he and Bill are probably two of the world's biggest hypocrites. And that's saying a lot when they're competing with people like Obama and Nancy Pelosi and Harry Reid. I mean, you know, totally corrupt Democratic politicians and members of the totally corrupt news media. You know, it's pretty tough to say that that Bill and Hillary are the leaders of the pack in hypocrisy. But they have always, if you think back on the Clinton presidency and everything that's happened since then, their number one goal in life is to make money and to make as much of it as they can. Yeah, they want power too because power provides them with the opportunity to make money. So Hillary Clinton became Secretary of State and, as Donald Trump says, uses as her personal hedge fund to raise money to support her and Bill's efforts to make more money. She will take money from anybody. The question is, how much of this money is being illegally used to fund her campaign? Because there are specific federal laws against foreign governments donating to political campaigns in this country. Of course, those laws are basically ignored. Obama ignored them during both his campaigns. I mean, there was a button on his, his campaign site, his website, that was you know designed to allow foreign foreigners to donate to his campaign. 
they never reported it as foreign donations. They disguised it. But everybody knew what was going on. So, Hillary is violating federal campaign laws. She has made money repeatedly by her and Bill making speeches to the people that she routinely attacks, uh, hedge fund operators on Wall Street, Wall Street bankers. She hides what she says to them. And she wants to be our president. She wants to be the president of the United States because it'll let her to steal more money, steal more taxpayers' money, get more money from foreign governments. Because let's face it, she was selling influence to foreign governments while she was in Secretary of State. How do you think the Russians got the right to control most of the uranium in this country, in the United States? They paid for it. They made a big contribution to the Clinton Foundation, and all of a sudden, the State Department approves their request. Another government agency approved their request to basically have control of uranium production in this country. That's not a coincidence. The Democrats in this country, particularly the news media and the leading Democratic politicians, are relying on people in the United States being dumb. Now, in the schools, they've been trying to dumb down our children for years and have been successful to a great extent. We can see that with what's happening on the college campuses. In other colleges, they also restricted free speech and basically told people that, you know, you are privileged. They tell whites, well, you have the white privilege. But then they turn around and they tell blacks, Hispanics, Muslims, gays, you have special privileges. Your special privileges include being able to shut up anybody who disagrees with anything you have to say, to have safe places to go where you'll be protected from somebody who might support the Second Amendment to the Constitution, someone who might not want to vote for Bernie Sanders or Hillary Clinton. You can go hide, you can go to your safe spaces, and you'll be protected from free speech. That's why I wrote an article not too long ago from a blog called The Wimpiest Generation. And I compare the generation of college kids to the generation of the same age kids during World War II. There was a picture put on the Internet. I think it was on Doug Gill's webpage that said, these are the greatest generation, pictures of the greatest generation leaving their safe space. And what they're doing is pictures of men landing on D-Day, leaving their landing craft and wading towards the shore under heavy gunfire and artillery and mortar fire. Now we have the whips. Now we have a generation that thinks that if you show up for a little league, you're entitled to a trophy. Doesn't matter if your team never wins a game. Doesn't matter if you never have a hit. You're entitled to a trophy. If you work hard and earn high grades in school, you're not entitled to be awarded for that or recognized for that because that might hurt the feelings of someone who sat on their butt 
and didn't work that hard in school. I'm so tired of hearing about the feelings of the wimps, the feelings of the people that might disagree with what I have to say. Everybody in this country gets offended by everything. I don't care who I offend. I never have. That's why I was never a successful politician. I ran a couple of times, once for the state legislature in Louisiana, and once for the state school board, state board of education. Only, the only election I won was for the Republican State Central Committee. I was elected it twice. But when I go out and make a speech and somebody asks me a question, I tell them the truth. Even if I knew they weren't going to like the answer. How many politicians do you know out there that do that these days? So you never find me running for president. I just flat wouldn't be any good as a candidate. But that also gives me the freedom to exercise my freedom and to write articles like the one about the Wimpy's generation and two other articles I've, I've written just the last few days. And I'll talk about those in a few minutes. But if you want to read the articles I've written, go to www.michaelconnelly, C-O-N-N-E-L-O-Y, dot jigsy, J-I-G-S-Y, dot com. That's the link to my blog. And you can also go to America's Web Radio and the web, the page for this, for this show, which is called Our Constitution, and you'll find the link there in my blog. And please read it and pass the articles on, because I talk about the Constitution. I talk about the constitutional issues that face people in this country. And I talk about the hypocrisy we face. I talk about what the news media has done, what the schools have done. And by the way, the, uh, there have been 47 shows on news media about gun control since Orlando. And uh, actually probably more than that, but 47 with a sense of length of time on it. And the ratio of pro-gun control people being interviewed or you know, anti-gun control people, of course, the Second Amendment being interviewed, the ratio is 8 to 1 in favor of the pro-gun control people, the anti-gun people. That's the way the news is being presented to us. That's why you have those Clinton bots sitting there today behind Hillary Clinton cheering at everything she said. Excuse me. With these glazed looks on their faces, like they didn't understand a word she was saying. But hey, they don't have to. They are the people that the Democrats in this country are counting on to give them the White House and give them back the Senate, House of Representatives. Let's take our final break. The United States Justice Foundation, since 1979, has been dedicated to instructing, informing, and educating the public on legal issues confronting America. That means you and me. When necessary, this nonprofit organization has had to litigate to present the constitutional view. Since 1980, USJF has submitted testimony to the U.S. Senate on all but one U.S. Supreme Court nominee. Learn more about USJF by visiting their website at www.usjf.net. 
support this nonprofit as it defends our rights, our liberty, and our Constitution. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctors' conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. You're listening to America's Webradio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Now, talking about my blog, and of course, if you go to my blog and go back through the, the years that I've been writing it, uh, you can find articles about Obamacare. You can find articles about the Second Amendment, about veterans' rights. You can find articles about free speech, freedom of religion, a number of things. And again, you can access through the, the website through the web page on America's Web Radio's website that is devoted to this particular show, Our Constitution. It has a link that will take you to a blog. And I encourage people to read it. I try to keep the articles short. I don't put a whole lot of articles on there because I don't want to overwhelm people. But if you are interested in it, you can email me, and I will put you on an email list so that anytime I post a new article on the blog, you will get an email about it. Now, that list is completely confidential. Nobody has access to it but me, and I don't do forwards, so you're not going to get a bunch of junk. The only email you'll get from me is an email notifying you that I posted a new article on the blog. My latest two articles, one of which has is, is really been gaining a lot of attention, and that is an article called, called What is G4S? When I learned that Omar Mateen had murdered 49 innocent Americans, in the barn in Orlando, Florida, and wounded 53 others. But I learned that he was actually a security officer with a license to carry firearms. And he worked for a company called G4S. I decided to do some research on the company. What I found was pretty scary. It is a British security firm that claims to operate in over 100 countries with over 600,000 employees. It has a checkered past, to say the least. It had to pay millions of dollars to the British government because G4S failed in his contract to protect the Olympics, 2012 Olympics in England. The failure was epic. They didn't have the personnel to do it. They couldn't provide the security. 
So the British military had to be called out to provide for the security. Not long ago, G4S acquired a U.S. security firm called Weckenhut Corporation. Now, Weckenhut Corporation also has a really questionable past about you know how effective they are around the country in providing security. But in any case, we have the team, the terrorist, employed by this company. He's been an employee of theirs since 2007. So we're talking about nine years. This man was questioned on at least two occasions by the FBI over the course of the last several years because they were worried about him having being interested in being a terrorist or being in contact with terrorists. The FBI questioned him, didn't go up, never put him on a terrorist watch list or even a no-fly list. Chief Boris initially claimed they didn't know about any of this. Turned out that was a lie, that they knew at least about the first questioning. They were told by one of the fellow employees, and they also denied this, that the team had been reported to make threats against women, to make threats against this country, to talk about killing people, to talk about hating Jews, to talk about hating gays. Yet he was allowed to keep his job and keep his security clearance and keep his license for concealed carry. So G4S allowed this man to basically have free reign and he ended up killing a bunch of Americans. But this is when it starts getting really scary. G4S has contracts with numerous federal agencies, including the State Department, Department of Interior, the Labor Department, Justice Department, Department of Energy, the IRS, the DEA, Homeland Security. It's also been hired by the U.S. Army, U.S. Air Force, and NASA. G4S has worked on projects at Guantanamo Bay. It provides security services to over 50 U.S. embassies around the world. And it provides 90% of the security for the nuclear facilities in the United States. They also operate as security in a number of prisons and juvenile detention facilities. Department of Homeland Security, G4S has a really unique job to do. They are tasked with having secure private transports, buses, to take illegals crossing the southern border of the United States who are classified as OTMs, other than Mexicans. So we're talking about people from Central American countries, some of whom may be gang members, uh, some of whom may be terrorists. We're talking about people from Middle Eastern countries, from African countries, places that sponsor terrorism like Yemen, Somalia. These people are under the instructions of Obama 
not being detained, not being deported. They are being shipped by G4S to countries, or cities around the country, who are considered sanctuary cities, like San Antonio, Texas, like Houston, Texas, I mean Austin, Texas, and Houston, Texas, and like San Francisco and Los Angeles, they're being shipped to those cities and turned loose. No background checks are being, being vetted. They've already broken our laws by being here illegally in this country. Yet they are given free reign. And they are committing crimes. And these crimes may soon include acts of terrorism. What are we doing with this company? Why are we allowing it to care, take care of so many of our facilities, particularly after it lets somebody continue to work for it for nine years that it had to suspect was a potential terrorist? But, you know, after this article came out, it received a tremendous response. And uh, they also I talk about a, a woman in there who has recently been working for the, the committee dealing with terrorism and is basically both Muslim and a racist and uh, someone who wants to protect terrorism in this country and not stop it. And I was attacked there because they said, well, you know, this, she's been vetted by Snoops and everything you said is wrong. No, everything I said is right. What Snoops says is wrong. Snoops is a left-wing website that routinely defends whatever the left-wing does in this country, even to the point of lying about what they're, they're, taught, they're doing. And so I, I've, I've dealt with Snoops since 2004 when I wrote a letter to John Kerry that went out to 20 of them. It came viral on the Internet, questioning his ability to be commander-in-chief. And Snoops put on their website that they could not verify that I was a real person. They did not believe I existed, and therefore the letter was bogus, probably written by the Bush campaign. I emailed them, sent them my information, name, address, bar, association number, uh, phone number, and never heard back from them. Other people sent them the same information, never heard back from them. Throughout the election cycle, we're talking about eight months since I wrote the letter until the election, they continued to claim that I did not exist. They were protecting John Kerry, so I knew then that this news was totally bogus. But in any case, the next article I wrote was in response to a bunch of people who said, is G4S, are they responsible for guarding Benghazi? The answer is no. The Blue Mountain Group was in charge of Benghazi. It was first broken by Reuters News Service, and this is in the article. Again, go to the website. This is in the article that the people who were guarding Benghazi at the nightly attack were all local Libyans who had been hired by Blue Mountain, given very little training, had not been vetted virtually at all, and were told not to carry firearms, that they could only carry batons and flashlights. And if they saw the embassy uh, being threatened, they would radio that in to the consulate, and then they would run and hide. And that's what they did. Why were they hired? 
when there were so many other security companies around the world that could have provided good armed security, because Hillary Clinton, in her politically correct mind or whatever she has, decided that she didn't want security guards at this embassy to be armed. That, ladies and gentlemen, is gross negligence. She cost the lives of four Americans. So go to the website, www.michaelconnellycoenelly.jigsy.com. Read these articles and pass them on. I also have a Facebook page, and I post up my articles on Facebook when I write them. Also, if you go to, the, to my website, you can find out about the book I've written on the Constitution, which continues to sell very well, only $6 per copy. You can also find about the Mortarman, a book about my dad's in World War II, which this summer they're talking about making a documentary about based on the book, and my patriotic novel, Amelia, the Story of America, and my two other books, Writers in the Sky, The Ghost of Legends of Philmont Scout Ranch, and America's Liveliest Ghost. I have a new novel that will be coming out about later this summer, so I'll let you know about that when the time comes. Thank you for having me on today, and I appreciate it. I look forward to talking to you again next week. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.